We're so grateful that you're here. First Sunday of 2020, you have made it. Congratulations, you're here today. You're here today. I'm excited to see the influx of people uh, that come over the next several weeks to get the year started right uh, with what's going to happen uh, in 2020. I want to invite you to do something. We do have new service times that started this week, as you know, 9.30 and 11. So we want to ask you to grab those invite cards, grab as many as possible, hand them out to everybody you can possibly think of. Leave them places where they can be found, all that stuff, because we want as many people as possible to hear about the love of the Lord today. So we're going to start a brand new series called Start Fast. Finish strong. Start fast, finish strong. You can go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2. Uh, today is where we're really going to hang out. Uh, little disclosure, if you were here last Sunday, congratulations. You, you were here for an amazing, amazing time with the Lord last Sunday. But uh, if you were here last Sunday, you actually saw kind of the, the, the prequel to the series. We actually kind of started it last week. So if you missed last week, go back, listen to it on the podcast, watch it online, whatever it looks like. You can go to our website and find it too. But uh, we're going to start, start fast, finish strong this week. And here's the title of the message. If you're taking notes and I hope that you are, uh, I want you to title it this. What do you want? What do you want? Because it's a question we've got to answer, right? And so the, the premise of this, the premise of this series is that uh, this year, uh, there's going to be a lot of people that start things fast. Like they get the year off and they want things to happen, right? I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm the kind of guy that I want results and I want results now. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to implement something tomorrow and I want to see the results yesterday. I'm that guy. I'm very impatient. I don't do well whenever things don't work out like I don't want them to, right? It's just life, but I don't like it, right? And so I was uh, I asked a physical trainer yesterday, I asked him, I said, hey man, have y'all seen... Uh, the influx of people for the new year yet. And he started laughing at me. He was like, we actually have a little bit, but we're going to see more coming up. We know that this next week, some people are still on vacation and stuff. So this week, next week is when everybody's going to start flooding the gym and signing their contracts and being part of it. And can I just tell you, don't let anybody shame you for starting the gym and not knowing what to do. Like get in there, start something, do it, get healthy, do what you need to do to achieve your goals. Don't worry about them. Your goals are not hinging on their opinion. All right. And so like he told me that and we were laughing and I got to thinking like, have you guys ever seen one of these bad boys or something like this at the gym? Are you ever been on something like this? Uh, I was on something like this not too long ago. I found something. Uh, as you know, I, I had a surgery that slowed me down this past year, but I, I, I found something at the gym that it's not this. But it's, it's a row machine. You know what I'm talking about? And it's this thing, you turn up the tension, and it's like you're rowing a boat. You know what I'm saying? That thing is straight from Satan, okay? And so I get on it, and, and, and most of us do the same thing with this. Like, we get on there, and we're like, I'm going to bike five miles, and I'm going to do great, right? Like, the first time I got on the row machine, I was like, I'm going for 10 minutes. I'm going to sweat, and it's going to be great, right? I get on it, and I'm like, I'm going to die. The Grim, Grim Reaper's on my shoulder, and I look, and it's been 20 seconds, right? It's been ridiculous. So we'll get on this thing and we'll have this goal that we want to accomplish. And then we'll get on it and we'll start as fast as possible. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to turn the tension up. We're going to turn the speed up. We're going to go for a million miles an hour. We're going to do everything that we can do. And we're going to go like this. And 20 seconds later, we're like, oh, oh, cramp. You know what I'm saying? Like, huh, help me, Jesus, right now in the name of Jesus. You know, like, it's crazy because it hurts. And so we burn out. 
And then this is what I did to the row machine. So I do it that way and I got started fast. And I was like, all right, let me slow down a little bit more. So we'll slow down a little bit. You know, we're still going fast because we got goals to achieve. We got things we got to do, right? And so we said, we're still going fast. And so we get there, we got sweat pouring down our face. And then by the end of it, we're like, I have not achieved my goal. I'm not where I want to be, but I can't do this anymore. And so we get up and we walk away. Because after all, that thing is from hell. And we don't want to do that. And so this year, that's what most of us do in our lives, is we sit down, let's just pretend this is a goal, right? We'll sit down on our goal, and we'll put our feet on January 1st, right where they need to be. We'll get in position, and all of a sudden, we'll start going, all right, I'm going, woo! I'm going to read the Bible in one year. So we read like half the Bible today. And then life happens. And so you got to slow down. And what happens is we get to the end of the year and we can't finish because we don't have anything left because the pace that we set was unrealistic in the beginning. You know, when you're running a marathon, you know what they tell you? Start slow. Don't worry about them sprinting. Don't start off sprinting. Start off to finish. To me, I'm like, no, I'm going to sprint. I'm going to show my domination to begin with. I'm a man. Ha, 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 ha. Right? And so we're in this thing. And then I'll get like, I've never ran a marathon. But if I did, I know what I'd do. I'd start off sprinting, and I'd get about 10 feet down the road, no exaggeration. And I'd be like, I'm going to die. And I'd stop. And I don't want you to do that this year. I don't want you to do that with your goals. I don't want you to do that with your work. I don't want you to do that with your spirit. I don't want you to do that with your marriage, with your parenting, with your relationships. I want us to start fast. I want us to get going. I want to see progress. I want us to go, I'm excited about what's going to happen because I'm already seeing something happen. But I want us to finish strong. I, I believe that's how God actually wants it to be. Is he wants us to start fast and to get going and, and to see some movement and then get excited and still finish it at the end of the year. Still finish it at the end of the decade. That's why I love the fact that Jesus says that once we get to heaven and we meet him, those that are coming into the kingdom, he will look at them and say this, well done, good and faithful servant. Faithfulness is not just doing the same thing. Faithfulness is being committed long after the feeling has left you. That, that's, the, that's the deal. And so it's, it's, a, it's a moment of going, hey, God, Jesus is going, hey, I'm going to reward the fact that you're going to finish strong. You're not just starting fast. You're going to finish strong. There's actually a story in the Bible in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2. I, I love the story of Elijah and Elisha. And last week, I'm going to review a little bit of last week. But go back and listen to it. It was an amazing time uh, with God. And God taught us a lot. But Elisha's story and journey with God and the purpose that God had in his life and what was going to happen throughout the history and the course of his life, uh, Elisha's journey actually started really fast. It says in, in, in 1 Kings, it is where you start seeing kind of things take place. And, and, and Elisha, it says he is plowing the field. He's plowing the field and Elijah shows up to where Elisha's at and he throws a mantle over his shoulders. In other words, he looks at Elisha and goes, hey, there's an anointing on your life. God has a specific purpose on your life and you are to come with me so that we can do this together. I'm called to you, you're called to me, right? 
And Elisha is just plowing his field when he's found. Please, let's just stop there for a minute and kind of review that. That many times we miss God, not because we're, we're bad people, but because we're in somebody else's field. We're called to plow our field. We're called to run our race. We're called to reach our county, our city, our workplace, our family, our home, our church. That's what we're called to do. I'm not called to run anybody else's race. You're not called to be anybody else. Plow your field and God's favor will find you. God will find you in the field you're called to be in, not somebody else's field. Many of us miss God's call on our life because we're in the wrong field. And Elisha was just being obedient. He was being faithful. He was in his field. He was plowing. He was doing his thing. And it says Elijah came along through the mantle. And so Elisha then goes and he burns his plow. And then he sacrifices the oxen. And he feeds the entire town based on who he was, not just what he's doing. And, and, and he takes everything that he was. I love the song moving forward. Because it takes everything that we were. Everything that we used to do, good or bad. And we sacrifice it and say, I'm moving forward. I'm not going to worship a moment with God. I'm going to move for a movement with God. I'm going to do something greater than what I've ever experienced before in my life. And so we're in this thing. And Elisha's journey picks up. And he starts following Elijah. And all these things start taking place. And if you read in... Uh, Verses 7 through 10 of 2 Kings chapter 2. As you get into chapter 2, you see where Elijah actually looks at Elisha and he's like, Hey, I'm going there. You stay here. And Elisha looks at him and goes, No, you're not. If you're going there, I'm going there. So Elijah's like, Okay, whatever. So he comes with him. And then again, Elijah looks at Elisha. He says, Hey, stay here. I'm going there. Elisha goes, No, I'm going where you go, I go. I'm going with you. And so there's a commitment level there that we talk about in just a minute. But in, in verses 7 through 10, something really awesome takes place. I want you to read this story with me. In verses 7 and 9, hold on to those for next week. But, uh, 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 or verse 7 and 8, sorry. But I want, I want to read it 7, 8, 9, and 10. It says this. Now 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance. And while the two of them stood by the Jordan... Elijah took his mantle, he folded it together, and he struck the waters. And they were divided here and there so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so they're coming to the Jordan. they got to get across the Jordan. Elijah goes, i got to fix for this. God is great. Bam! And all this stuff happens, right? And so hold on to that. That's next week. But it sets up the story for 9 and 10. 9 and 10 says, And when they had crossed over, remember on dry ground, they just experienced a miracle. When they crossed over, Elijah looked at Elisha and said, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. In other words, Elisha, Elijah looks at Elisha and says, hey, Elisha, you just saw me split waters through the power of God. You just saw us walk on dry ground in the middle of a river. Like, that is crazy, Elisha. Now I need to know something from you. And Elisha's like, all right, what's up? Elisha, Elijah said, what do you want? What do you want from me? What, what do you need? Like, what is the parameters on this thing? Let's keep going before I start preaching again. And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. The question, the story starts with a question. The story starts with Elisha having to answer a question that I believe we all need to answer before we go to bed tonight. 
It's a question that we have to define. It's a question of parameters. It's a question of expectation. It's a question of, of definition. It's a question that if we don't answer, then we'll go along and we'll just pick up random things and be a part of random things that have nothing to do with any kind of progress in our life. And it says, what do you want? How many, how many parents do we have in the house? Anybody? Parents, old, young, doesn't matter, right? Okay, good. Parents in the house. How many times per day do you have to look at your kids when they look at you and go, Mom! Dad! Like, Mama, Mama, Mommy, Mama, Mama, whatever, right? And you're like, what do you want? Right? Or maybe it's the 75th time. Maybe you're that kid. I know, but I'm grown. You still do it to your parent. Okay, okay. I do to my mom. I'm a mama's boy. I'm like, Mom, I want this. You know, no. What do you want? And the, and the question isn't aggressive and it's not mean. It's actually, it's actually, we really actually need to know what you want because you're aggravating the snot out of us. And if I can fulfill your need, then I know you'll be quiet. Elisha doesn't have to answer the question in that setting. Elijah is looking on the proactive side, not the reactive side. Elijah is looking at Elisha going, hey, before we move forward in this relationship, before the mentorship keeps moving, before we see God do more, I need you to set a parameter around this relationship. I need you to tell me what you expect from me. What do you want? Now, it's a really loaded question because our answer, as we'll talk about in a minute, actually sets forth a chain reaction of things to get to the progress, to get to where we need to go. But a lot of us don't know what we're looking for, so we don't know when it gets here. How many miracles have we missed because we're waiting on the big miraculous moment whenever God has given us miracles in the mundane? How many miracles are we missing because, hey, guess what? You woke up this morning. Congratulations, you're a part of a miracle, right? Hey, you got blood pumping through your body and purpose in your bones. Guess what? Congratulations, you're a part of a miracle. Hey, guess what? The statistics say that over 80% of Americans stay home every single Sunday morning and don't go to church. Congratulations, you're a part of a miracle today. Right? Hey, we saw at least 100, if not more, people give their lives to Jesus last year at Radiate Church in 2019. Congratulations. You're a part of a miracle. Right? We saw over 50 baptisms last year in 2019 at Radiate Church. Congratulations. You're part of a miracle. You're a part of a church that people said wasn't going to make it and still won't make it. But I look at them and say, no, to hell with that lie. I don't believe it. I can't believe he just said that. No, I meant the literal term. Because the truth is, is like, man, we got to understand that there's miracles in our everyday life. There's miracles in our every, what we take for granted, somebody else is praying for. What we take for granted, somebody else is praying for. I know, I, listen, I get it. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Budgeting's tough. Kids are frustrating. All this stuff. Like, we got to take care of the temple God gave us. This is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We got to take care of that, and it's hard, and we sweat, and it's bad, and it's not fun, and all this stuff. Hey, guess what? What I'm praying for, somebody else, or what I'm taking for granted, somebody else is praying for. And I got I to gotta learn that if I'm not looking, if I haven't defined what I want in the right ways, then I will never find what I'm looking for. And so I'll get distracted. You ever feel like you just get distracted by everything around you in life? 
I go back to, to Genesis, right? And, and in Genesis, uh, the fall of, of humanity through the tree in the Garden of Eden. It, you know why it says that she picked the fruit? It, we think that she picked the fruit because uh, the serpent told her. You know why it says she picked the fruit? Because it was pleasing to the eye. There's a lesson in that. It said that she looked at it and it looked good to her. It was pleasing to... How many times do we grab something off of trees that we were never supposed to touch? Because it was pleasing to the eye because we haven't defined what we want. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better follower of Jesus. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better friend. I want to be a better leader. I want to be all those things. But if I don't define that in my life, then the answer to that question determines every step therefore or thereafter. And so if I don't define the question, if I don't answer the question correctly, I never know when the progress is taking place. Because after all, I just want to be blessed. Well, what does that even mean? Right? You are blessed. You woke up today. You got breath in your body. I know that you're struggling. I know that there's things going on. But guess what? You're blessed. You got life. You got life. We get to live in a free country. There's people that don't get to do that. We get to meet at church on Sundays. There's people that can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, we are blessed. You know what I'm saying? We got to answer the question, what do I won't. And, I, and I love the question because Jesus in the Old Testament, I mean, New Testament actually asks the question a lot too. Before he does a lot of miracles, you know what Jesus will look at somebody and say? Before he heals a blind man, do you want to be healed? Before he heals the paralytic that's been laying on a mat by a pool that's the waters are stirring and he's trying to get in in time so that his body can be healed, Jesus goes, do you want to be healed? I, I know reading that up until recently, I know reading that, I would look at that question, I'd be like, Jesus... No offense, that's a really dumb question. That's like somebody looking at me with a million dollars and going, hey, do you want a million dollars? I'm like, that is a dumb question. Yes, I want a million dollars. The answer is yes, yes, and always yes. But Jesus is asking that question, why? Because he wants us to define the parameters around what's about to happen. Do you want to be healed? Yes, Jesus, I see you as the miracle-working waymaker in my life, and you are going to pave a way through a miraculous act of healing in my life to where I can represent you at a greater level. That is who you are. That is what I see. I will worship you for that, and if you'll heal me, I can do that externally. Are you with me? You put parameters around the question. Elisha looks at him and goes, What do you want? Can I, can I, can I tell you this, like, Guys, I want us all to go home tonight and answer that question before we close our eyes. Like, what do we want? What do you want? And I know, I know you're thinking, like, what do I want from God? No, what do you want from God? What do you want from your friendships? What do you want from your marriage? What do you want for your kids? What do you want at work? What do you want for yourself? What do you want? Answer that question because it determines what you do when you wake up tomorrow. And I love, I love what happens next because many times when we're asked that question, like especially on a spiritual sense, we'll be like, I don't know, God, just whatever you want to give me. Hey, God, God will be like, all right, man, I hear you, Brandon. I know what's good. Like, what do you want? And I'm like, God, you're God and you know better than I know. And, and so God, just, just bless me with whatever you want to bless me with. And God's like, I want to bless you with everything. I want to bless you with everything. But you got to tell me, what do you want, right? And so I love that Elijah... I mean, Elisha didn't look at Elijah and go, I, I don't know, whatever you want to give me, whatever's good. No, Elisha looked, and here was his answer. I love it. 
I love it. It's so bold. It's so big. He looks and he says this, please, please. He even had manners about it. He said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He didn't look at Elisha or Elijah and go, hey, if I could just do half of what you've done, I'll be successful in life. You ever said, I've said that to people. Like, hey, if I could just, no, he looked at him and said, I want to do twice the amount that you've done in your life. You've done 12 miracles, I want to do 24. I want to see great things take place. I want the double portion of the anointing that you carry every single day of your life. I want that. I love the fact that Elisha was not timid. He was not scared. He was not backwards. He answered the question with boldness. He looked Elijah, his mentor, the man that has seen him fail and succeed, the man that he helped succeed, the man that he held up whenever he felt down, all these things. Elisha looked at his mentor and said, I want a double portion of what you got. Man, I love that because a lot of times, and I feel like this is a theological incorrectness that I don't even know if that's the real word or way to say that, but I'm going to say it. I feel like it's just a, a theological untruth that we buy into is that we have to, you know, scale back our requests from God because if they're too big, then, you know, then he might think that I'm trying to just be all selfish and it's just all about me. Selfishness is a heart thing, not an external thing. Anybody hear that? It's a heart thing. You know you're selfish when everything internally is about you. Your thoughts are about you, the offense that you take to everybody saying something about you because it's about you and all this stuff, right? It's selfish. No, we, we think that, but God, hear me. I'm going to put it on the screen because I don't want you to forget it. God is not offended by your bold requests. He is not offended by your bold prayers. In fact, I want to go on the opposite while that stays up and while you get that in your head and your heart. I want to go on the opposite. I think God is offended by pansy prayers. Because I'll tell you this, our prayers are an indication of how big we think God actually is. And so if I just sit back, I'm like, God, if you could just help me get through the day. What does that mean? Does that mean like suffer all day long until you get to lay down at night and then you've succeeded? No, I don't want to get through the day. I want to own the day. I want to be so anointed that everywhere my footsteps, that now there's an anointing of God in that place and somebody's life is going to change. I want to own my house. I want to own my parenting. I want to own my responsibilities in the name of God. I don't want to just get through the day. Forget getting through the day. I want to own, so I want to see God just take over and like, rah, just bow through something. Like, I'm tired of this, let's just get through the day and see what God does. No, I'm going to wake up this morning and I'm going to declare that my life, my shadow is going to heal somebody today. I'm going to declare that I'm going to be so anointed that every word I speak is like honey uh, on his lips. Come on. The thing is, is the bottom line is, is we got to stop being so pansy in our prayers that God has nothing to work with. Most of us pray prayers that we could do without God. God, help me, help me pay my bills. You know, if you go get a job, he, you could do that yourself. Okay, I'll go quit my job and watch him come through. No, that's irresponsible. So the thing is, is like quit praying prayers that you can do without him. You are not your God. Start asking for something bigger. Start asking God, hey God, I believe that my entire family that does not attend church or believe in church, well, we're gonna start seeing that. And you tell me what I need to do, that's what I want. You tell me what I need to do to make that happen, I'm gonna see it happen. Hey, my, my brother that doesn't believe in Jesus, I believe he's gonna come to know Jesus in a very real and personal way. Tell me what I need to do to get there. I'm gonna believe something big. He looked at Elijah and he didn't say, just help me get through the day. 
Hey, hey, Elijah, if you could just give me what you feel like. No, he said, I want a double portion of your anointing. I want a double portion of what you've got. How many times are we going to look at God and just go, just give me what you feel like, instead of going, God, this is what I'm praying for. This is what I'm believing for. And God, I'm going to trust you along every turn, every crook, every cranny in the way. I'm going to trust you no matter what. And it may not come in the package you expect it to come in, but I'm going to trust him anyway. Amen? God is not offended by bold prayers. I believe God is offended by pansy prayers. I believe God is offended when it's just like, oh, I just hope something happens today. Listen to me. Life is not defined by things that fall in your lap. Stop waiting on God to make things fall in your lap. Get up and make something happen. You do your part so he can do his part. You get up and invite people so he can change their life. You get up and pray for somebody so he can change their heart. Whatever it looks like. And then, and then I love it. I love it because if I was Elijah, I'd have been like, hold up. That's my anointing. You ain't getting a double portion of what I've done. You trying to one-up me, Elisha? Let's fight. You're going to catch these hands. But instead, Elijah looks at Elisha and he says this. I love verse 10. He said, you've asked a hard thing. In other words, you kind of caught me off guard a little bit, Elisha. I wasn't expecting that. That's a very difficult thing. And then he goes, nevertheless. In other words, it's hard what you asked, but I'm not intimidated by it. It doesn't, it doesn't intimidate me. It doesn't worry me. He said, nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. I read that scripture for years. I mean, years growing up. And I was like, that seems really egotistical of Elijah. That seems really uh, selfish and, and weird. It's just weird. But here's what Elijah was trying to teach Elisha in the moment. Because we see it later in the scripture. And we'll go there. Uh, later on in this series, but he's trying to teach Elisha this. The greater the request, the greater the commitment level. In other words, you want a double portion. For, if you just wanted the anointing I've got, this wouldn't be your commitment level. But because you want something greater. In other words, in order to do something you've never done, or see th something you've never seen, you got to do something you've never done. And in order to see the ridiculous, you have to be willing to do the miraculous. Or flip it around. I'm sorry, I messed that up. In order to see the miraculous, you have to be willing to do the ridiculous. He looked at Elisha and he said, hey, you want a double portion? Great. Sounds great. Phenomenal. Wonderful. Woo! But when I wake up in the morning, you need to be standing there next to me. When I go eat my tuna at lunch, you need to be standing next to me. When I go to bed at night, you need to be sitting there next to me. You need to see me from sun up to sundown every single day until I am taken from you simply because there's a lot you got to learn. And here's where most of us miss it. Most of us miss the fact that it starts fast for us. We give our lives to Jesus. We get this purpose. We get this burning desire. And we go a million miles an hour. We start serving. We start giving. And then after, after a month of it, we go, I'm just so burnt out. That's because you're still living on the warmth of the fire from a month ago. And, and, and we're sitting here, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're going, we're going. And I'm, I'm just going as fast as I can. And God's going, I didn't ask you to go a million miles an hour. I asked you to go with me. I asked you to follow me. I asked you to see me until I was taken from you. I asked you to walk with me. The greater the request the greater the commitment level. 
I, I can't look at God and go, God, I want to know you so intimately and so greatly that every decision I make is bathed in the Holy Spirit. But I never pick up my Bible and read. I never pray long enough to hear what he has to say, but I make sure he knows what I got to say. I never commit to people. I can't say, God, I want to change our county and our community upside down for you, but I never give out an invite. I never pray for anybody. I never do any of that. I can't say I want my church to grow exponentially in 2020 in a way that only God can be a part of it, yet I don't serve, I'm not in a life group, and I don't do anything to help the leadership. Let's get real about this. I can't say I want a promotion and then I'm late every single day to work. I can't say I want financial stability and I max out all my credit cards and overspend everything I've got and I can't do anything financially. You follow what I'm saying? Commitment, the greater the request, the greater the level of commitment. And I, I am so tired of watching passive believers walk away from the commitment of the request they have for God. Listen, I'm not telling you that if you ask God and you answer the question, what do you want, that it's automatically going to happen. God, I want, I'll tell you what I want, I want $3 million so I can build a state-of-the-art building that we can grow into, not just start with, out on 1464 Whiting Way. That's what I want. I'm going to define that. I'm going to pray over that, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. Are you following me today? Whatever it is, I don't, I don't know. I just threw a number out there, but whatever it is, I want God to show up in great ways. But am I really willing? So I want to ask you this. What do you want, but what are you willing to do is the other question you have to answer. You can't just answer, this is what I want, now I'm going to sit back on my couch, kick my feet up in my Lazy Boy, eat my Doritos, and watch the football game. i got to be willing to go, I'll do what i got to do. Elisha looked at Elijah and said, I want a double portion. And as we're going to see later in the story, he gets the double portion because he saw him when he was taken up. Because he did his part. Here's the last thing. I want this to be a mantra for us this year. For believers all across the world, for our church and for our lives, it's this. Let this be the year we walk away from walking away. I want this to be a year, the year where marriages don't walk away from each other anymore. I want this to be the year where we commit to what we're asking for, to where we commit for what God wants, to where we start strong, we start seeing, or start fast, we start seeing the, the progress, we start seeing whatever we need to see to give us some, some permission to keep going. And, 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 and I want us to be committed because as we're pedaling, as we're going through life, as we're seeing these things happen, sweat comes, you get out of breath, people look at you because you're weird and, they, and, and you're making weird noise. <laughs> I can't breathe. People looking at you like you're weird. People walk away from you. They go do their own thing. Stuff leaves you. All this stuff like happens. I want you to be able to be so committed this year that when all that happens, I'm still peddling. When the enemy throws everything at me, I can look at him and go, I'm still peddling. I, it might not be fun right now. My legs are burning. My heart's racing. I'm, I'm dripping sweat. I, I, I don't have any energy left. When I get up, I'm probably gonna fall on the ground for about two hours. I need Gatorade, stat, whatever it looks like. 
I can look at him and go, but I'm not quitting. I'm committed to this thing. I'm committed to my wife. I'm committed to my husband. I'm committed to my kids. I'm committed to God. I'm committed to my church. I'm committed to my friends. I'm committed to my expectations. I'm committed. I'm going to see this thing come to pass because this is what God's called me to be. This is what God's called me to do. I'm going to see it happen. That's my prayer this year is that we walk away from walking away, that we don't walk away from our dreams and let them just pick up dust. Sit in a corner and at the end of our life, we're like, man, I wish I'd have done more with what I had. I want to get there and I want to party with thousands of people that have come through Radiate Church because I was faithful to what I was called to do. Amen. And whatever it is in your life, I want to ask you, what do you want? What do you want? What, what do you want in your spiritual life? What do you want in your marriage? What, what do you want with your kids, friendships? What do you want at work? What do you want? Because that determines what you do from this point forward. Can we just bow our heads today? I just want to ask this question as I do each and every Sunday, most Sundays, if there's anybody in the room that would be like, you know what, I need to give my life to Jesus today. I gotta start a new life with him. I I wanna surrender and submit my heart and my life to Jesus and start a new life of salvation, forgiveness in the kingdom of God today. If that's you, you wanna pray that prayer with me, would you just hold your hand up high right where you are, just indicating, hey, I wanna give him my life with everything I have, amen. Anybody else in the room? What's going to happen is we're going to slide a clipboard in your hand so we can talk, walk the journey with you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. We just want to pray with you and walk the journey together. Anybody else in the room? Now, if we could, as a family, just say this. Say, Dear Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for forgiveness. I want to start new today. I want to walk with you today. And I want to spend eternity with you. Thank you for giving me access to your family through the cross. Now I give you access to my heart through submission. I love you. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you for each person that prayed that prayer and meant it in their heart. The people that raised their hands, God, for salvation, I thank you for that. But God, right now I pray over each and every person under the sound of my voice, each and every person that'll see this online. God, I pray that we would, under the compulsion of the Holy Spirit, that we'd answer the question, what do we want? What do we want? What? Maybe a better way to answer it is, what do you want us to want? And God, I, I just pray that right now, as we define that, that we'd be smart enough to be flexible with you. We'd see great things take place, God. And Lord, whatever that looks like, whatever we need to do, whatever we have to accomplish whatever commitment level we have to have. God, I pray that we would have that. God, I pray that right now this is the start of a new journey that we'd walk out of here and and live a faith that's seven days a week, not just one. God, that we'd walk out of here and our speech would change, our direction would change. Everything about us would shift because we love you. Help us answer the question, what do we want? And help us commit no matter what. God, I honor you, I worship you, 
as we live this life to make a difference in this world. In your name we pray, amen. Hey church, make sure you grab those invites. For some of you, let me give you this. For some of you, your next step is a life group. Sign-ups are starting on the 15th, but you can get information. Just stop by the Connect Center. They can help you out. Or for some of you, the thing is, is God just needs you to, wants you to serve, and that's your next step. Just serve somewhere, once a month, once a, every other month, whatever it looks like, your schedule, your whatever that looks Stop by the Connect Center. Let's do that. And let's start the year off committed to seeing what God is going to do in this church. Grab your invites. Invite somebody to be with you. I love you guys. I'll see you next Sunday. Let's go change the world.